Hello, my friends and neighbors. Jonathan Pariente, the Beast of the East, here with you, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. I hope all of you guys had a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you stuffed yourselves full of turkey and stuffing and pumpkin pies and all the good stuff. And you got to watch Thanksgiving traditional football where the Lions disappoint you. Very, very uh, traditional Thanksgiving style football. We were riding so high on the Lions. Now, watch Chris doesn't even include them in the top 10. I would guarantee it. They lost one game. They lost one game. And we're already saying it's the end of the world for the Lions. It's a little bit. I don't think so. Look, Jordan Love played well. Give Jordan Love credit. He three touchdowns. I didn't expect that. Yeah, didn't he take Kansas City to the limit too? Uh, well, uh, Jordan loves. We're going to see when Jordan Love plays Kansas City this this Sunday night. We'll see how that matchup goes. And yeah, the Lions did beat Kansas City by a point to start the season. That was that was huge. That was one of their biggest victories to start the year. All right, look, this might have been one of those times where they maybe took the line. Uh, they took the Packers a little too light, and you know, didn't help that Dan Campbell took some very unnecessary gambles. Uh, like, how about uh, what? going for a fake punt at your own like 20 yard line that was stupid uh, completely stupid yeah yeah we're seeing a lot of that in the league now you notice that we're seeing a lot of these coaches doing these uh unmitigated gambles that you know going for it on fourth downs more and just hey screw that we have a kicker to give us three cheap points Tom mcdermott that. has made stupid decisions robert salo's made dumb decisions brian dable this year has been the king of dumb decisions um a year ago, you were praising Brian Dable. You were loving this man one year ago. I mean, I still do, but, I mean, what can you do with what he's been given? Well, you should be grateful that maybe you found your quarterback in Mr. DeVito. All of a sudden now... Uh, Except Joe Shane has literally came out and said Daniel Jones will be the starter when he returns from injury. That doesn't... Uh, maybe DeVito's going to be the answer. I think DeVito's playing a lot better than Daniel Jones. I mean, when you... uh. You know, yeah, he, he beat up the commander. Seven touchdowns in how many weeks? Uh, let's see. He's been in the league for, what, four weeks now? If we don't count, like, the game he took over in the, you know. When, yeah, when he didn't even throw. Game, that Jets game doesn't even count, yeah. You know, yeah, the Dallas game was one of his worst games. He did throw one touchdown pass. Uh, congratulations in that. And otherwise, yeah, then, then the commander's three, and then he threw a couple, and then he threw one against, uh, I think he ran one in against New England. Okay, I mean, look, you got a couple wins under your belt. You should be, uh, you know, I should be seeing a little more joy out of you, John. Be, be cheerful. Be, be be happy about this. You know, uh, the guy that the guy that lives with his parents, uh, you know, eats his chicken cutlets and has his teammates come over to his hot tub and come to his home. And Joe <laughs> Shane is still going to start story. Daniel Jones over this kid. That's an everyday feel-good story for any running back that's from that plays in the tri-state area to get this opportunity to, to, to play in front of your hometown and be treated like a king in your own house. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. He was already announced as not the starting quarterback next year. Things can change. Daniel Jones is going to be the starter when healthy next season. Straight out of the general manager's mouth. Yes, he is. Just like so, we just throwing again. Not right? even Brian Dable makes this announcement. No, 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 no. It's Joe Shane, the same guy 
that drafted the O-line that got two, not one, but two quarterbacks seriously injured this season. I mean, Tommy DeVito, I don't know what... I mean, maybe the maybe the O line loves his chicken cutlets. I don't know. Well, They're like protecting themselves. You know, he's bringing them over to the hot tub, and so they're having chicken cutlets and pasta, and you know all this other stuff. The O lineman must love it over there, so they're protecting Devito with his with their lives. But I think of the game where he threw three touchdowns. Didn't he take like seven or eight sacks? He did. Uh, you know, the O line still needs uh, work. It's not perfect yet no but isn't it funny um tyrod taylor um can't perform he's getting sacked too much daniel jones can't perform he's getting sacked too much somehow this kid who completely undrafted by the way who i believe was being paid the league minimum as a practice squad player Mm -hmm. comes up and does a better job than both quarterbacks that had started for the Giants previously. Hey, listen, you know, sometimes the undrafted players are the ones that have more to prove than if somebody was drafted. Why do you think Brock Purdy became this great quarterback that he is when he was Mr. Relvin? He was the last pick of a draft. At least he was drafted. Yeah, but he was drafted dead last. At least he was drafted. Okay. Somebody said to themselves, okay, we could bring this kid in. Yeah, maybe he's the last pick. He'll end up on the practice squad. But you know what? He's good enough for us to pick him. Why not? And then you have Brock Purdy. But this is completely different. A kid who was undrafted, signed off the practice squad, throws, um, I believe, uh, three touchdowns, two, and then one. So four, five, six touchdowns, rushes one in against New England's uh, seven to only three turnovers. Take a look at the small resume of Mr. DeVito. All right, right now he has thrown for 697 yards, has thrown seven touchdowns and three interceptions. That's a pretty nice little uh, resume you've put together there, Mr. DeVito, in just a a matter of what, three weeks, like five games? Yeah, this is good. I'm not saying he's he's earth-shattering, but, you know, for somebody that never played an NFL snap in his life, Look at how much more well-adjusted he is to the NFL than the guy who's been starting for five years. You know, sometimes it's just it's called getting into the right situation, coming into the well, right. Well, no, but for him, it's the wrong situation because they've already named Daniel Jones the starter. Doesn't mean DeVito can't decide to take that job away from Jones. if he. But out- at least you have sort of a positive conversation to have about the Giants. There is no- nothing positive about the Jets. They have too many wins already to be able to draft any of the good quarterbacks that are coming. Oh, yeah. By the way, Caleb Williams said his either coming into the draft or going to USC decision would be a quote unquote last minute decision. That's already red flag for me to not want to even football team anyway. Okay. well, I mean, why does USC quarterbacks ever pan out? Are, Are USC quarterbacks ever good? No, but like, if you remember, he said he is he stands to make a lot more money in endorsement deals playing for USC in his final season than he would getting signed to a rookie deal in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So he made it very clear he only wanted to play for a specific few organizations. Yeah. So to be quite honest, 
couldn't he just skip the draft entirely, not participate in it, go to whatever team he wanted, try out for their practice squad, get elevated to be the starter? You know, that could be a route he's going. Number two, maybe he's waiting because if one of the teams that he specifically listed doesn't end up being in the top five or whatever, in the number one draft position to pick him, because I guarantee you Chicago would draft him and he wants nothing to do with Chicago. Right now, Chicago's <laughs> the number one draft pick right now since they took Carolina's pick. You know who's the real loser out of all this is Carolina. They drafted Bryce Young when they should have drafted Stroud. And now they're going to have to. No, 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 no. You can't hate on Bryce Young. The Carolina defense is garbage. They can't do anything. So they're Bryce Young. Bryce Young that he's too small. They're criticizing him for being too small. That, it, that's stupid. Here, Here's the problem with Carolina. Their defense is so trash that they end up behind by 14 points before they could do anything. So. Then here's Bryce Young having to pass the ball constantly. You have a decent running back in Chuba Hubbard and somebody in Miles Sanders who was cutting it up in Philadelphia couldn't do a thing here. I mean, it's very hard to do anything in Carolina behind that terrible offensive line with no wide receivers. Adam Thielen had a great start to the year, but you knew that was going to tail off because he was the only person that was mildly successful in that offense. The sad thing about it, yeah. It already cost. So Frank the entire Reich team is Frank in Reich shambles. Fired. Frank Reich just got fired. Yeah. And by the way, that Carolina has had six head coaches since 2019. Six in four years. This is the second year in a row that a coach has been fired midseason. They shouldn't have fired Wilkes last year. That was a complete joke. They, they shouldn't even have. They should have kept Wilkes as head coach last year. They should have kept him. They should have just. No, I, I, I agreed with firing Wilkes, but. Here's the thing. If you hired Frank Reich, you should have just first off, they make the te- they make the wrong coaching decisions every single time. They make the wrong personnel decisions every single time. Ever since Gettleman left the Panthers, this organization has been in shambles. It's been bad. For, forget like serviceable or oh, every once in a few years they'll make the playoffs. They haven't made the postseason since Cam Newton's been quarterback. Well, it also doesn't help that the new owner, because now you know, remember Jerry Richardson passed away. Don't forget he he at least was uh, he at least provided stability to that Panthers team. Now you have uh, who's running? I think oh yeah, David Tepper. Oh yeah, David Tepper is the is now the team's owner. That's that's really this great. guy. No, David Tepper is completely out of his mind. If he doesn't get results immediately, he gets rid gets of rid you. Of Gets rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. He manages his franchise like a hedge fund guy because Tepper, I believe, is a hedge fund guy, is he not? Yep, he is. He's a billionaire hedge fund manager. That's exactly what he is. So look at, so I want every Met fan to look at Tepper and realize we have one of these as our owner. And we've seen it already with Buck Showalter being instantly gone. Verlander and Scherzer both traded away after they were literally just brought. Verlander wasn't even a Met for six months. Uh, Just think about that. Justin Verlander was not a Met for any longer than six months. 
Scherzer didn't last that long either. Scherzer lasted just a year and six months. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, Met fans, you know, because we're a New York sports podcast mainly, even though you wouldn't know it being as we have to talk national all the time because talking New York sports gets us depressed. Because especially the NFL season, there's nothing worth talking about. The Knicks are at least okay. The Nets were eliminated from the NBA tournament. The Knicks snuck in as a wild card. Hooray. And the Knicks Knicks beat the Raptors today after beating the Pistons last night. There you go. So, you know, look, Tom Thibodeau has his team ready to play. I like that. The Rangers are playing well. I like that. It's great. Yeah. But every Sunday, we get subjected to this crap. And no offense to the Knicks, until they start getting championship-worthy, then the Knicks will become the most popular team in the city again. When the Knicks are good, there is no team more popular. But if the Knicks are bad, no one cares about them. That's the thing. Prove you can beat the Celtics. Prove you can beat the Bucs. Well, let's get to our NFL Top 10, and I'll tell you why we got to get to it. We got to get to it because a lot of these teams at the Top 10 – They just don't seem as good as they were last year. Like in the entire, the entirety of the NFL, just it's the play looks open. bad. It's a little more wide open. You're not wrong about. It. There's actually this is one of the fewest teams years that we've seen teams with more than three losses at this stage of the season. So that should tell you a lot of things. You know, look, the product's maybe getting a little better. You know, teams have more pieces on their team now. They're trying to build their draft boards, and you know. I think some of the for some of these teams they have a good future, and you know, look, it's also good to see competitive divisions again. It's not just two teams yeah. running, and then the other two teams are in the toilet. No, you're seeing the North. Uh, the only that. division right now that's being run away with is the AFC East. Yeah, well, it's, that's being run away with. Well, I mean, um, maybe. the uh, NFC North is being run away with. You know, look, Green Bay's kind of hanging in there. The Vikings are hanging in there. And then you have the Lions. I picked the Vikings to win the division. Ever one now that Kirk Cousins. By the way, can every Kirk Cousins hater now shut up? Look at oh. this Minnesota team without him. Well, Joshua Dobbs threw four picks last week. Yeah. Look at this team without him. Kirk Cousins is the model of what an efficient quarterback is. He's efficient. He's always been efficient. He was efficient in Washington. He was efficient in Minnesota. That's why Minnesota signed him because he was a super efficient quarterback that knew how to get the ball to his number one, two, and three receivers and feed a tight end and keep a running back healthy. Well, in two weeks, you're getting, well, in a couple weeks, you're getting Justin Jefferson back in the lineup. Maybe that changes things in Minnesota a little bit. Maybe it gets them back on the right track again. Maybe, it does, uh, but he's not utilizing his other wide receivers. He doesn't utilize Jordan Addison. He doesn't utilize Osborne. He doesn't utilize any of these people. The only guy he's been throwing it to for weeks is TJ Hawkinson. Oh, it's good for people to have Hawkinson on their on their board. God bless him. But yeah, O'Connell's going to make a decision about that. He's going to make a decision about the quarterback now with Justin Jefferson coming back. So I'm not sure how much more committed he's going to be to Dobbs. I would think he'll stay with him, but you do have Nick Mullins Ooh. coming back. You have uh, uh, what's his name? Another that other rookie that's on. Dobbs there. is better than um Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Mullins is decent. I mean, that's a uh, Dobbs is better. I mean, remember the work that Dobbs was doing in Arizona and how good it was when he had nothing. 
<laughs> now imagine giving him Justin Jefferson, Ty Chandler, Alexander. But the, here's the problem with the Vikings offense. Alexander in- Madison sucks. Well, He's terrible. He can't hold on to the football to save his life. Yeah, well, why do you think Chandler's been getting more of the carries lately? I'll tell you things. But Chandler I- can't run either, though. At least Alexander Madison can gain yards. Chandler is just... Yeah, it, great that he holds on to the football. Unfortunately, he gets gang-tackled at the line of scrimmage every time he tries to run the ball. Well, Minnesota's now learning what it's like to not have Delvin Cook running the ball now, aren't they? They're okay. also learning what it's like not to have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Well, I guarantee you, this injury, a lot of people said, oh, well, that means Kirk Cousins is off the Vikings for sure. Um, I think during this period of Kirk Cousins being away from the team, Every game that Dobbs looks bad, every game that the wide receivers don't get the football spread around properly, every game that the running game doesn't work out. Jordan Addison has at least played well. I know, but every game where these team, where this team has just not looked good on the offensive side of the ball is guaranteeing Kirk Cousins more money and more money and more money. Because look at what they are without him. Minnesota better do everything in their power to make sure Kirk Cousins doesn't walk away. They better do everything in their power to not let this man go. I mean, everybody crap talks and everybody shit talks him, and there's no fucking reason to. Well, I mean, I understand the postseason woes. That's great. Not every quarterback is perfect in the postseason. Last year in the postseason, he played a perfect game against the Giants. He did nothing wrong. That was not on him. That was on the Vikings defense. Thank you. All that was on the Vikings defense, but that's even been shored up this year. If Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, I think the Vikings could be in line for this division. They're not because he's not. Oh, wow. And the Lions are starting to the, the Lions. Maybe the Lions. Everybody's going to say the Lions are terrible because oh they lost to the Bears. Guess what? It's Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving tradition is Detroit plays in their home stadium on Thanksgiving Day and throws up a dud. Well, they only so it's nice to know that the American tradition of Thanksgiving has continued no matter how good the Lions happen to be. So let's get to the top 10. What is number 10? All right. Well, we're going to definitely change things up here to Chris. I want to thank Chris Dorge and Tony Manville for this top 10. We're going to start with the AFC North. At number 10 is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why? You know, I mean, you know, I'll give the Steelers this, honestly. And, you know, despite – this is one exception to the rule that we've talked about. This team that could never really put together 300 yards of offense, they play some of the most maybe boring offense we've ever seen, and yet they're 7-4. and four. Mike Tomlin is a magician, but here's the thing. Um, the Texans are better than them. Squeak I think the Browns are better than them. Nope. You squeak uh, truthfully, I think the Browns are better than the Steelers. Nope. Well, if you're the Steelers, you, you you squeaked, and I do say this loosely, you squeaked by a Burrowless Bengals team last week, 16 to 10. I'll be fair. That should you. tell you something about Pittsburgh. But you know what? Against Any- Jake Browning, they almost lost. Nope. So can I please just Take the, the stick a fork in every other team in the NFC North. They're done. The Ravens win this division. Hands freaking down. I called it. I didn't think it was going to be because every other team in the division lost their quarterback. 
I still wouldn't say it's a runaway yet. I mean, look, the Steelers are right there. The Ravens don't have. Are the- you telling me that the Ravens are gonna not are gonna lose more games than oh, I, Pittsburgh I does? I doubt it. But I still say because that- if they don't, then there's absolutely no way in hell that Pittsburgh's gonna catch up or the Browns. Definitely, the Bengals are out of it. Because their entire hope was Joe Burrow. Without Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon is crap. Eight carries, 16 yards in his last performance. Well, this is going to be very curious. Uh, Now, honestly, if we look at the Steelers right now and and really kind of say to ourselves, well, how have they been here? Well, their defense always plays well. And you know what? Now that maybe that Matt Canada is fired, maybe now the Steelers can finally run the ball more than they should have been doing for the most part of the season because that's really what they were not doing. They were not. Najee Harris has responded very well to Matt Canada being fired. Yes. That was the first thing I noticed is that Najee Harris is starting to run the ball well. Well, here's the Steelers' schedule. Maybe this should. Uh, <laughs> the Steelers have one of the easiest remaining schedules to finish out the year. I mean, easy, easy, easy enough. They should probably maybe win five of these six games. All right, let's hear it. Tomorrow, play Arizona. So, uh, well, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. You. Yeah. That's easy. Sunday, Arizona. You then play uh, New England in Pittsburgh. You should beat New England, right? I think we should. Uh, Demario Douglas will be back. Mm-hmm. I don't think either team has an offensive player. Like, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and uh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris pretty much match each other. You have Pickens. You have Deontay Johnson. I mean, Demario Douglas is better than those guys. And remember, Juju Smith Schuster's on the Patriots. Just because he's underutilized doesn't mean he's not there. I'm sure he'll have a big game against his old Steelers. I can certainly. I think so, because I'll tell you why. Now that Dobbs is not playing, to be honest, who else is there to throw to besides Juju Smith-Schuster? The guy that they paid a lot of money to throw to, but Mac Jones couldn't get him the football to save his life. You're going to have Bailey Zappi. Now you're going to have Bailey Zappi. Okay, that should make things a little better. No, it shouldn't. You know what? I bet if I were... if. If I were the New England Patriots, I would prefer Zach Wilson to both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. That should tell you all you need to know. All right, finishing their last four games out of uh, Indy on December 16th. Indy is not easy. In fact, I think Indy could beat them. Yep. Then you play the Bengals once more on coming into Christmas. Um, If Jake Browning can get his feet wet and the offense can get themselves together. They do have enough skill players. I mean, Higgins and Chase are still Higgins and Chase, and Boyd is a number three. That's one of the best wide receiver cores in football. Going into New Year's. Maybe Jake Browning just needs to, you know, get his feet wet a little bit before he starts to at least be efficient. Going into the New Year's, Geno Smith and the Seahawks, December 31st. Gino had a bounce back game um, against Dallas. It wasn't garbage time stuff either. This was a close game throughout. Seattle actually had the lead multiple points in this game. This was very back and forth. Even though Seattle lost, they proved themselves as a top tier team. Will they make the postseason? I think their recent string of losses might prevent them from doing so. But you can't deny that the team's talented. They put up a lot of points at a Cowboys defense that everybody said was the best defense in the NFL. I don't believe it, and this is why. Zero in fantasy. They put up a zero on fantasy boards today. This week. Well, let's forget the fantasy boards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Name me the offensive team that Dallas stopped that was any good. Well, the Metcalf Niners. and Lockett both went off. Geno went off. The Niners no did. Kenneth Walker, no problem. Charbonnet did good. 
Charbonnet was very solid running the football. I'll give him that. He wasn't that good. Well, Charbonnet had like 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. He did, he did pretty good. That's, that's DK good. Metcalf was the man. Oh, yeah. Metcalf had three touchdowns, including a 73-yard bomb to start the game. It was huge. Yep. And Gino, yep, Gino's arm's better. Group of 334 yards. It's pretty solid. I'll give him that. All right, then you're Against the Cowboys defense that, that I believe was number one against the pass. One of them. Yeah, one of the tops. All right, and then the final, and then to finish the year, and this is, I think, an appropriate one. You finish the year with Baltimore if you're the Steelers. Yeah, uh, I don't see where you think they win five of these six. They don't. I know uh, Indy's beating them. I know the I know the Ravens are beating them. Well, the Ravens are the last game of the year. I think the Steelers could be. It could come down to this matchup with the Ravens. Just, just no, I think the Ravens are just better. The Ravens will have the division locked up. Well, let's keep it moving. Let's go to number nine on the top ten, and we stay in the north. Number nine is the Cleveland Browns. Yep, the Browns are better than the Steelers. I said it. I said it oh. while we were talking about Pittsburgh. And how's this for a little throw-in? Joe Flacco will make his debut as a Cleveland Brown this Sunday against the Rams. You know, that might actually help. Uh, Joe Flacco is very good at making sure the running your running backs do their best work and that your tight end do, does his best work. Best work. So... Najoku should be getting a lot of a lot of targets and very advantageous situations because Flacco's always been known for dumping to the tight end. Okay. He'll dump to running backs. So, so Jerome Ford I mean Jerome Ford and uh, Kareem Hunt are two of the best pass catching backs you've seen in a long time. Um, you know, Chubb is better than both of them at everything, but you know. Jerome Ford is definitely more than serviceable, as is Kareem Hunt. And if Joe Flacco could get these guys to football in advantageous situations, that'd be great. The Browns, the Browns are the team that I'm more worried about if I were the Ravens than the Steelers. Well, this is the one team I don't think you want to be letting in. I can assure you of that much. And you know what? The Browns are going to have themselves an interesting game this week as well. You're with the Rams and be, you know, still this is Matt Stafford they're going to be facing, and this is Cooper Cup you're dealing with. So. The Rams are going to make the postseason. And Cooper Cup has been bad. Well, it's not been his best. We've seen the emergence of Puka Nakua. Yes. Um, a, a chunk of the season with injury. He's been hurt most of the year. Yeah. That's why Nakua's even gotten the opportunities that he's gotten. Because Cooper but Puka's, but, uh, You can't tell me that Puka has, is in a top 10 wideout. Oh, he's great. Oh, I think he's awesome. And the emergence of Kyron Williams, he, he takes every snap in that backfield. So the Rams are a team that you're going to end up seeing in these top tens real soon if they keep this up. And their defense, surprisingly, hasn't been playing bad. Oh, yeah. Well, look, as long as you have uh, as long as you have Aaron Donald leading that defense, uh, you're in very good shape. No, nah, but the Rams defense is bad. They're not that good. Like their corners aren't good. Their second level isn't good. Well, they don't have Jalen Ramsey anymore. He went to the Miami Dolphins. That was a big loss not having him on your football team anymore. And there you go. It's big. But you know what? Look, the Rams will make noise, but again, you play in a very competitive NFC West, and that's going to be very, it's very tough to stand up to the, the Seahawks and the 49ers if you're the Rams right now. It, but they, back to the Browns. Um, back to the Browns, yes. Their running game is good. Joe Flacco is serviceable solid. enough to get it to a guy like Amari Cooper. So Joe Flacco will be able to complete passes to wideouts. We know he could, we know he's got an arm. He can throw it downfield with the best of them. Yep. Uh, which means Amari Cooper running go routes will actually be successful with Flacco. In fact, I really don't seem that much of a difference between Joe Flacco and Deshaun Watson, to be honest with you. Brown's defense has enough depth in it with 
Darius Smith, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Martin Emerson Jr. Just a, a very solid shutdown defense. You can't run against the Browns. We've seen it throughout the year. Nobody can really run efficiently against Cleveland. Cleveland is the top five defense in the league. Take away the um, run game, then, then you basically have won half of the battle if you're the Browns. Especially with all these running quarterbacks. Forget half the battle. If you take away the ability to run the football, you've won about 75% of the battle in today's NFL. Every quarterback is mobile. Every quarterback could break off and give you a 15 to 20 yard run. There is no such thing as an immobile quarterback anymore. There's where Joe Flacco, to me, has a problem. That Cleveland O-line is bad, and they are not going to be able to protect a guy that can't move in the pocket. Hopefully that's not going to happen in this one. Hopefully hopefully Flacco does not have to scramble out of the pocket too much. Flacco's going to have to rely on his experience. He's going to have to rely on reading the defense, making the correct calls and audibles at the line to make sure that his play, that the play that he's running is something that could completely counters the defense that he's seeing. He asked that like he ba- Flacco has to be smarter than everyone else on the field in order to be successful. Wasn't long ago when Flacco beat ball Cleveland. Let's not forget when he beat Cleveland last year. And if you actually take a look at the Jets, um Brees Hall hasn't been the same without Joe Flacco as his quarterback. Has most of this team been the same since any of these quarterbacks left? I mean the O line is trash. Joe Flacco has honest, has honestly been the best quarterback the Jets have had in the past three years. What? Okay, that end. Easily. He's easily uh, the best quarterback you've started over the past three years. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, if we were going Can back... Can you really to- prove it? And tell me I'm wrong and actually prove it. If we go back three years, it. you're right. If we were going back like 10 or 11 or 20 years... I said the last three years. I know. I heard, I know what you said. Three years, Yes. And you're not wrong. It makes sense. It really makes sense because yeah. But a team, like I said, Flacco can, but Flacco can move a team up and down the field. He is proficient enough and competent enough to run an NFL offense. He understands what it's like to run an NFL offense at the highest levels. He's a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl champion. Cleveland's trying to win the Super Bowl this year. They went all in to do it. Hey, um, if I were the Browns, getting Flacco was the best idea they could have had. See if the Browns can follow that up with a win over the Rams. And by the way, just 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 throwing this out there, everybody, every Jet fan who say, well, why can't we have the same thing like we did with Flacco last year with Trevor Simeon? Trust me, they signed Simeon to go in. But obviously, Simeon is not good enough to usurp Boyle. Let's move up to number seven. Let's continue. So don't think that don't think that just because you're an older quarterback that, that that means you have the ability to run a team Flacco has done it for every organization he's been a part of let's move to number eight on the top 10 we go to the NFC North and well this is a team that we had at number two just last week and my how far they fell number eight of the Lions yeah I knew Chris was going to have a gigantic overreaction let me just explain something to everybody out there the Detroit Lions in my opinion are still the best team in football their problem is their defense their defense is garbage um here's the big thing though their offensive line is the best O-line in football. They could they don't even have to throw the football if they don't want to. They could grind you out with that running game. And they could like they they could run another defense to the ground. The Lions really have allowed can. their opponents to score a touchdown in the red zone on just under 70% of the time, which is the third worst mark in the league. 
That's but what's their red zone? But how many times do they t- score touchdowns when yeah. they're in the They've red zone? They allow their opponents to score a touch in the red zone 68.6% of the time. The Lions. Yeah, but how many times do they score touchdowns in the red zone offensively? Well, the Lions what's make the percentage? up for it. The Lions make up for it. The Lions, of course, make up for it. They score, uh, the Lions average the second most yards per game at 405.5 yards per game. And by the way, they're doing all of that on the ground. They're doing all of that because of Jameer Gibbs and David right. Montgomery. And it looks like uh, Swift and Jamal Williams all over again, except the Jamal Williams is now David Montgomery, and he's a million times better than Jamal Williams. And Jameer Gibbs, in my opinion, does the same exact DeAndre Swift job. The only difference between this iteration of Lions running, running core and last year's is the big bruiser back roll, the player who does that is better than the one who catches out of the backfield and runs between the 20s. Last time around, Swift was better than Williams. This time, Montgomery is better than Jameer Gibbs. Well, here's the one little concern of late. Goff has been turning over the football a little bit, and that's starting to uh, – that's worrying me a little bit. You know, Jared Goff, for the first for the first number of weeks, Jared Goff looked like he was untouchable. Then all of a sudden, he had a three-pick game against the Bears – he had two fumbles in the – he fumbled twice in, in on the Thanksgiving game. So I'm a little worried there. That's five turnovers in two games for, for Jared Goff. And you have to start wondering, are the Lions beginning to run out of gas? I'm seriously worried right now. Are they running out of gas? I don't think so. I think that was Thanksgiving, and you let it go. You let it go. I don't want the Lions to have to back at this one. I'm I'm a, I'm a little nervous right now. If, if just a bit, uh, you're playing. I don't think uh, so. Well, now you're going to go to New Orleans. You got to play the Saints in in New Orleans. That's gonna and be- you should be able to whoop them in New Orleans. Well, New Orleans has a good defense. That's not a that's not a gimme that game. I understand, but that's, yeah, that's the best running back core in the NFL behind the best offensive line in the NFL. All right. Well, let's see if the Lions can keep it going. Next, number seven on the top ten. We go to the South. We go to the AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars are number seven on the top. Yeah, uh, the Jag the Jaguars should be higher than this, in my humble opinion. Well, there's still maybe maybe Crystal has a little doubt about them. I know that Jacksonville continue. You know, I know that Jacksonville was able has, has really put together a nice resurgence here. And listen, I I love the team Jacksonville has. I think quietly now, and I think you were right about this. Zay Jones, who came when he came back, I think he's allowed the rest of the offense to really now thrive. Now you're seeing Christian Kirk getting open. Now you're seeing Calvin Ridley getting open. Now you're seeing Travis Etienne taking over the offense a little bit. And now you're seeing more improved play out of Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's a great sign. I think it's a really positive sign. Now, Jacksonville struggles a bit on third down. That's a big problem. They're 22nd in the league in third down conversions. And on third and less than and three yards, they're dead last. They're almost dead last, 29th in the league. That's a big – and those are things you have to get better with if you're Jackson. If you're going to be a real legit threat in the AFC, you have to convert on short yardage third downs. You do. Now. Now that Jones is back, Ridley has opened up the field. I don't think they have to convert on short – they're in shorts anymore well, they're, they're gonna as be much as they – there are going to be moments where you have third and goal at the one yard line. And, you know, you're going to have to ask uh, ETN to run it in for you. You can't just only expect Trevor Lawrence to do it. And you can't just throw the ball all the time. No. Yeah. Well, Jacksonville, as much as they've been deficient, 
you're as good as your record says you are, and right now the number one team in the uh they found in ways the to AFC win. South. They have found ways to win games. And they will have on Monday night the Burrowless Bengals Monday night. So that should yeah. be that should be a game that if that should be a cakewalk. Should be. Their defense has forced twenty turnovers this year. And Josh Allen, their linebacker, has twelve sacks this year. Which has really opened up this Jags defense. And I knew they were good on defense. Yep, they're all they right, good. but they're pretty good. Well, who's next? I mean, because I six. need to see who's above. Okay, number six, we go to the AFC East. It's the Miami Dolphins at number six. Eight. No, no, oh. Jacksonville's better than Miami. Uh we're going back to our argument of has Miami beaten a real legit team yet? No. At six. No. Or if you can beat a real team, then Miami wouldn't be six. End of story. And by the way, even when beating the not for real teams, their offense hasn't looked as prolific as a team like let's say Dallas. Well, for the most part, if you minus maybe a couple of games, their offenses look pretty electric. Yeah, Devon H. No, their running back court has yeah. looked electric. Their rest of their offense, other than Tyreek Hill and their running backs. What about Jalen Waddle? Not... We don't count Waddle. He's not he's not good enough here. Waddle's uh he has better. he's been very disappointing this season. Waddle's played just as good as Hill. They're pretty No, even. he hasn't. I mean a few less touch okay, he's not the number one receiver. I know that's Tyreek Hill, but you know, Waddle's done good as a number. He doesn't two. score touchdowns. He's not as fast as he used to be. You know, and older with age, that's just what happens. They slow down as they when get... Devon H. and Raheem Mostert uh, outgain you in the air almost every other week. You're not doing good as a number two, then you could have all the talent in the world. But well, since Jalen Ramsey Waddle back... needs to be better, if Miami is to actually do anything in the postseason, Jalen Waddle is to wake up. Yeah, well, since Jalen Ramsey came back in week eight, Miami's forced nine turnovers and recorded 14 sacks. Now, they did lose a tough one. Jalen Phillips, him going down, is uh, that's going to hurt their pass rush. That's going to hurt Miami on the run uh, with against the run. So I will not be surprised if you are Miami. Are we going to see teams running against the Dolphins? That should be something I think that's worth paying attention to. Now, Miami's going to have a very winnable game this week. Okay, very winnable. <laughs> If you cannot beat the Commanders and run and throw the ball down the Commanders' throat, then I don't know what to do with your man. You got to beat. You got to beat the Commanders. You got to beat the bad teams you're supposed to beat. Fine, fair. But again, eight of their wins have come against crap opponents. All right, your eight wins have been against terrible teams. You couldn't beat Philly. You couldn't beat Buffalo, and you couldn't beat Casey. You can't beat the big boy teams in the league. Then what does that say about Miami? Does that tell me anything about Miami, that they're a legit threat until you beat a real top-notch team? I'm not saying anything because all of this is self, self-explanatory. Mike McDaniel has done a tremendous job with this group. I'll give him a lot of credit. He's done great. Miami can't win the AFC East this year and, and make noise in the playoffs. They have no one to blame but themselves. And they have to win against the top. As I said, you've got to beat the top teams. That's what they must prove they can do. And, yeah, Miami's, you know, it's going to get a little tougher for Miami over the final few weeks. I'm not going to say it's a it's a gimme for them. But you get you have a couple-week opponents coming up over the next two weeks, okay? you got the Commanders and you got the Titans next week. So if Miami can't blow through these teams, which I'm sure they will, 
still, when you have to play the tougher teams, then we'll see where Miami is come then. But I don't know yet. It's so hard. It's hard for me to say. All right. Let's go to number five on the top ten. All right. And Chris is doing what I didn't think he would do at number five. This is this is interesting here. Number five are the Dallas Cowboys. Eight and three, second in the AFC East. And uh huh. well. Well, if you're Dallas to be number five, this is interesting. I mean, yeah, they're kind of in a similar position to Miami. You've mainly beaten bad teams. Okay, you beat you beat Geno Smith Thursday night. That was a pretty solid win to put up. But it took you 41 points to beat him, and you barely held him off. And so now you start wondering again when Dallas plays a top-notch offense. Uh, they scored 41 points in a pretty damn good defense in Seattle. You did. All I've heard about is Dak hasn't played a good defense. Dak hasn't played a good defense. Dak hasn't played a good defense. Well, now he has. Okay. Okay. Yeah. On this recent string of him being probably the best he's ever been as an NFL quarterback, and he is right now the number one quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. In the last six season, he's been the best. Last six games, Dak Prescott has averaged just over 312 passing yards per game. He's thrown 18 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Dak Prescott should be the MVP. Hands down, the award belongs to him, in my opinion. Remember what I said, that five of their next six games are against top-notch teams. Okay, Seattle was just merely the first hurdle. Next week, you got to play Philly. You got to prove you can beat Philly because right now, no one's been able to beat him except one team. That's it. But the funny beat. thing is, Philly has not looked dominant in any of their wins. Oh, Dallas looks like a good. dominant football team. I, I honestly think th- this isn't going to go the way everybody thinks it's going to go. I think Dallas is going to beat Philly. Well, this will be interesting now. This is next going to be because I think Dallas is going to beat Philadelphia and we'll see them climb up these rankings next. Number four on the top 10, we go to the AFC West. Number four are the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so they yeah. they dropped a little bit. Yeah, I know. The Chiefs, yeah, you, you beat oh, you beat the Raiders. Congrats. No, this is where they belong. Yeah. This okay, is where they, they belong. A, yeah, finally, uh, somewhat, and I'm saying this loosely, Somewhat, Patrick Mahomes, at least uh, to a degree, woke up a little bit. Pat Mahomes has been fine. The rest of the offense is just not good. Well, well, maybe now Rasheed Rice is becoming his other weapon to go along with Travis Kelsey. At eight, well, at eight, Isaiah nine. Pacheco has been unbelievable at the running back position over the past few weeks. Well, Pacheco has been really the only good running back you've had. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't do anything. And yeah, that's terrible. doesn't run the ball that much. And All right, Mahomes threw for 298 yards. That, that's solid. Okay, that's one of his better games that he's played all year. I remember when Patrick Mahomes was throwing four or five touchdowns a game sometimes. Now, mind you, that was back when you had Tyreek Hill. It's a different team. The fact happened. that the Raiders were able to give the Chiefs a scare just shows you how bad Kansas City is. They're not going anywhere this year. I could legit name three teams that I feel have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl than them right now out of the AFC. Are they out past round? Are they going beyond round one if you're Kansas City? Um, I think they even get through the divisional round. If they catch the Houston Texans, no. Well, because 
Kansas City's not losing the AFC West unless they epically collapse and Denver comes out of nowhere. On well, that. Denver is coming out of Denver ever since they started 0 5. Look at what they've done. Yeah, including beating Kansas City. Big. If they beat Kansas City again, then we start talking does Kansas City even make the postseason? Well, it's that's good. the conversation that's coming next. I think the Can last Kansas thing- City make the post freaking season. Kansas City, the last place they want to find themselves is a wild card team. Yeah, number three. Number three, we go. All right. Well, by the way, by the way, the area uh, we're not gonna. They're done playing uh, the Broncos this year. If you're Kansas City, they went one and one against them. But yeah, they have uh, the Chargers, the Lions, Patriots, Chargers again, and then Vegas to finish the year. So that'll be interesting. This is not good. If you're that's a not a good player. schedule. The it's Chargers are a very powerful offense. You have to play them twice. The Raiders. Could run the ball with Jacobs, and every Lions. week Aiden O'Connell is getting better. The Lions, you can't sleep on the Lions. I don't the care. Lions, the Lions are going to tear them apart. <laughs> wow, we'll see about that. All how right. do they play the Lions twice in the same year? No, they didn't play the city. Uh, no, the Broncos. Talk about the it's, Broncos. Oh no, the Broncos play the Lions. Yeah, remember every remember the AFC West. No, you literally just said Kansas City plays the Lions. I make a mistake. I'm sorry. Kansas City played the Lions week one. I'm sorry, and lost. Yeah, they did. The and that's how we started off this season. Yeah. Now the Broncos will get their turn at the Lions. That should be interesting. I think the Lions are going to beat the Broncos. I think the Lions are one of the top three teams in the NFL. I think Chris is very mistaken for putting them eighth. I still think they're better than Kansas City. Well, if the Broncos can get by, as we said, Denver has the two meetings with the Chargers. If the Broncos could get by, uh, if the Broncos could get by the Lions got to be Herbert twice. That's not going to be easy. Yeah, but if the Broncos could get by the Lions, then, you know, then we have a conversation. Then we have to have a conversation about how good is Detroit actually. And then we also have to have a conversation about Denver being a legitimate candidate to not just win their division, not just make the postseason, but if they keep this up, possibly going to the Super Bowl. Let's Let's go to number three in the top ten. All right, who have we got? Ah, we're going to go to the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers are number three on the top 10. All right. It's roughly about where they were last week. All right. Well, it definitely looks clear to me that now the Niners have found their groove again after that rough three-game stretch where they struggled. As long as you have Christian McCaffrey, as long as you have Debo Samuel, as long as you have Brandon Ayuk, and as long as you have George Kittle with, with Brock Purdy throwing the football. That defense. And as defense. long as you have that defense. The Niners are about as tough a team as anybody in the league. And now we're going to find out who the best team in the NFC is for real. They're it's going to be Purdy versus Hurts. That's a big one. That is a big one. I'm amazed um, that's not I'm amazed that's not even a primetime game. That's a sudden it's an afternoon game. That should be a primetime game. I wonder what team is sandwiched in between those two. As far as what the the top five. ten. Because I know Philly has to be number one. Oh, yeah. Philly is going to be number one, I can assure you. But who's number two? All right. Well, number two, let's go to them. It's the Baltimore Ravens at number two. There you go. Okay. There you go. Great. Makes sense. So, well, here's the Ravens. Here we are. Holding teams to 15 and a half points per game. So that's the fewest through 12 games for Baltimore since 2006. But Lamar Jackson is having an MVP caliber season. He his defense is all the, the Ravens defense hasn't been this good since 2000. 
yep. I want to say. They they're damn good. And we're talking, you know, the time of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and all that is over. I, I this defense looks just as good as any of those defenses. Fabian Clowney with Kyle Van Noy, Smith, and it's a really good definitely give the Ravens a lot of credit where it where it where it goes. I mean their ability to find players that fit in their system and they're always able to replace someone when they go down. That's a that's a testament to the coaching staff. That's a testament to what Ozzie Newsom finds in talent when he drafts them. The Ravens have a penchant to find solid players that fit how John Harbaugh wants them to play. And that's why the Ravens make the playoffs every year. They never have a down season, ever. You got rid of I told you all in the beginning of the year the Ravens are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the AFC. And so far they're proving it. So far. Although I wouldn't put them ahead of San Francisco at this current point in time. But we're about to find out who is the number one team in the NFL when you see San Francisco play Philly, who is the number one in the top ten. Obviously, only one loss, but unfortunately, that loss was to Zach Wilson and the Jets, which will forever make me question if Philadelphia is legitimately the best team in football because you have to be pathetic to lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets. Well, well, again, Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions, and that was the end of the story. He threw three picks to Jalen Hurts. That was his worst game he played all year. Maybe Nick Sirianni took the Jets too late. He thought, ah, we could blow this team away, right? And Hertz was also hurt that game. That was the, I believe that was the first or second game he had with the bad knee. Yeah. Now, the Eagles find themselves in a very interesting position here. Zach Ertz was just cut by the Cardinals. Philadelphia is down Dallas Goddard, their tight end. But Zach Ertz is also recovering from injury. Yeah, but he, he's he not got- fully recovered. Yeah, but he was cut by the, he was cut. He had barely been being. Yeah, cut. but he's not recovered from injury. That's why he was cut. Yeah, but why I keep paying to, him when he might not play again this year. But he wants he wants to go to a playoff contender. Yeah, but what is that going to do? He's still hurt. Not hurt to the extent where he can't play. Hurt. He's going to well, not for the year, but you know, he's not good enough to go on a field right now. Yeah, he was hurt in the beginning. Yeah, and it's and it's unfortunate he wasn't really the same. But until he got hurt, he was leading the way for the Cardinals this year. Until he got hurt, and now Trey McBride took over the role as their top. Well, Trey McBride was honestly drafted to be what he's being right now. Ertz wasn't the long term solution for Arizona. They've been looking at Trey McBride and thinking that he would be the guy to move forward. And Kyler Murray has gotten in the ball. Trey McBride looks really good. Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, I mean, he knows the the Eagles offense, yeah. but isn't Goddard coming back this year? Eventually, but he's not. But I don't know when he might return. He He's still out with that broken forearm injury. So, but can you imagine if Zach Ertz were to go back to Philly? Can you imagine if he were to come back? I'm not sure if he's, if he would really make that much of a difference. Well, they would, they can use a tight end right now in Philly. They're kind of down a, a tight end right now. So they're. Yeah, you'll have Devontae Smith. Yeah, you'll have A.J. Brown. But Well, like like I said, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is a better one-two punch than A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Sure. I think their offense has looked legitimately better since they've started throwing the ball to Devontae Smith more. Mm. Well, 
the Eagles definitely have like all their cards on the table if they really need to make at least another move here in their final push for the playoffs and to eventually get in as the number one seed in the entire league. But I think if you're Philly, why not you take a chance? Why not you let Zach Ertz have his one more moment in Philly? Because I wouldn't I wouldn't screw up with what's working. What's working is Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. You're barely gonna screw up anything. You're going to keep things you just you put you just plug Zach Ertz in there and give yourself an extra. Why? Well, for what reason? Well, Name me the reason. Jalen Hurts needs extra protection. Zach Ertz is not a blocking tight end. Also, uh, Ertz is closing in on a little uh, record here and could become the all-time leading uh, receiver for Philly. Should he make twelve more catches? I know. I bring that. I don't up. think it matters, John. He's not going to end up on the Eagles, or if he does, he's not coming back for at least another week or two, at least. Probably not. But look. It's a good upgrade if you're Philly, if they need a tight end, you know, at least to hold you over for a few weeks until Dallas Goddard comes. Back. Yeah. Well, the, my point is you sign or it's you're waiting for Ertz to really get healthy, too. Yeah. He hasn't no. started ramping up back football activities. He ha- wasn't taken off injured reserve by uh, Arizona. So he hasn't been in the team facility. He hasn't been practicing. It's now Philly does have a few weaknesses with their defense. It's and the last number of games where they've been squeaking by. It's been evident. They are in the bottom half of the league in takeaways, just 14. That's a big problem. I'm amazed that the Eagles only have 14 takeaways. So they're not forcing turnovers like they did last year. They let, I believe, six or eight of their starters on last year's defense walk. They let a lot of their defense walk. They, especially their secondary. They're 29th in the league against the pass which is a big problem. They're giving up 255 points. They can stop the run, so what? The run's good. They're third against the run, which is solid, only giving up 85.3 yards per carry. But when you're not – teams know they're going to want to throw against Philly. Yeah, here's the problem I have with Philly. I don't think they're as good as San Francisco. I think San Francisco's better. I don't think they're as good as Detroit. I think Detroit's better. You know San Fran's been licking their chops at this game with Philly. They've been wanting to get back at Philly since last year's play. And uh, Debo Samuel is talking shit on the internet. And why should he not? If you were the 49ers, do you feel like you really had a legit shot to beat the Eagles when you were down all your big weapons? You lost, yeah, Purdy hurt. You know what? Had I don't want to wanna hear excuses. I don't want to hear excuses. Now the Niners are going to have no excuses. Now they're going to have all their guys healthy for this matchup. So I don't want to hear, oh, we should have won. We could have beat them last year. But after this game, I don't want to hear it. It's not like you're playing against a team that did this to you two or three years ago. This is pretty much the same squad. So And also, their defense is a lot weaker than it was last year. So if you beat them this year, it almost means nothing. It'll be a little other than obviously, like outside of this year. This isn't some revenge for last year. What happened last year was an aberration, and you can't blame Philly for jumping on top of that. But, you know, the Niners will feel like, you know, we you know, we weren't even playing at nearly our best. And we had to play in a playoff game with literally no quarterback. All our quarterbacks got hurt, whoever, whichever ones they had. And, yeah, I mean, can you imagine? Imagine if your football team was in that position for a moment. Just, just think about it. You're. The fact that McCaffrey had to act as an emergency quarterback when he never throws a football. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the position the Niners were in. They they didn't even have a chance to show their full talent because they had no quarterback that week. You have to go. But you know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's no excuses in the NFL. You have to go out there and do the best you can to win that game. The injuries were devastating to San Francisco. Uh, they robbed, uh, robbed San Francisco of any chance that they had to win that football game. But unfortunately, you can't cry over spilled milk. You can't get upset at your circumstances. At that day, at that time, Philadelphia was the better team on that field, and there, no one could tell me any different because all we could do was think about the hypothetical of Brock Purdy being there instead or Garoppolo playing or even Trey Lance playing or any of these guys who were all either hurt or too bad to go out there and do the job. You know... <laughs> You can't tell me that Philly wasn't the better team in that game. They were. Well, this is a game, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, they've looked at this as this is a game we need to make a statement. This is a game they want to make a statement against. Well, I don't know if they can, but this is going to be if the Ford after this game, win or lose, the 49ers have no reason to cry about it any longer. Well, this is going to be in Philly. This game is in Philadelphia. So this is going to be advantage Eagles on their turf. Don't think the Niners can't come into someone's home stadium and uh, shock the world. We've seen them do it before. Well, We've seen them do it before. Well, Dallas has a tough matchup. Philadelphia has a tough matchup. Baltimore is on top of the NFC North, like I said. The yep. Lions took a big drop, losing to the Chicago Bears. They beat the Bears. They lost to the Packers. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, no, and the Goff had three picks in that game against the Bears. And yeah, the Lions are very lucky they even escaped that game. They should have lost that game to the Bears, honestly. Well, they lost, but in my opinion, they lost. It doesn't matter if they won, they still lost. Um, So this is now two weeks in a row. The Lions haven't looked so good. Yeah, that's a big problem. I'm I'm telling you guys, you start to kind of wonder. Usually they find ways to win. Uh, Thanksgiving, they found a way to lose. So, Well, because, you know, they, they made some uncharacteristic gambles that they never should have even done. And again, and the, you know Lions, the Lions have some trap games coming up in addition to the, the Broncos game. So, yeah, you got to play the Saints, as I said, this Sunday. And then you got to play Justin Fields and the Bears once more. You got to play the Bears again. Two trap games right there. Two trap games if you're the Lions. You cannot let these games slip away. Detroit, if they want to get the number one seed, can't lose again. Um, I think Detroit needs the first round by because their offense is mainly predicated on two running backs. So the first yeah, round by would... you got Jared Goff and you have Laporta. You have, you have yeah, but here's the thing. If you're Detroit, you want the buy because that you want Montgomery and Gibbs to get an extra week of rest because your entire offense runs through that uh, running game. Without the running game being solid, Jared Goff becomes ineffective because he can't rely on play action to get the ball downfield down anymore. Uh, Jared Goff is the perfect example of a system quarterback who has above average skills. So, you know, this is by no means dissing him. He's going to have a long career in the NFL because he's talented. He just requires a specific system and a running game to be effective. Well, he found that system in the Lions to really help him. Definitely. If the Lions can can beef up their defense, it's obviously not going to be this year, but if the Lions can get their, their defense back up to snuff next year. I'm telling you, the Lions will be one of the complete teams in the league. 
I think I think the Lions can still win the Super Bowl as they are right now. Well, they they have a legitimate shot because if as long as you can control time of possession the way the Lions control time of possession, it almost doesn't matter how bad your defense is. But you don't want the Lions to have to keep winning slugfest games every week. You you don't want it to be 35-28 every week or 41-28 every week. I agree, but at the same time, if Detroit can put up that point production, that's going to win you every game you play, which has been the Lions' MO all season long. Did, Did that loss to the Packers set Detroit back quite a bit? Yes. That loss to the Packers keeps the Packers in the hunt for the division, keeps the Vikings in the hunt for the division. Although, in my opinion, this is far and away the Lions division at this point to lose. I picked Minnesota to win, but that was before the Cousins injury. And and then before uh, Dobbs of the four pick game and they lost to the Bears. Oh, I, I mean, I still thought they could do it. I, I mean, they're two games behind. They still could. But the time is running out. Running out of time here. We're down to the last. Six if Detroit games. loses another game and Minnesota keep and Minnesota wins, then then we have a conversation. Then we have to have a conversation about Lions Vikings. Um, but granted, the past two games, Detroit hasn't looked very good offensively, except for uh one quarter out of eight in the last two games. Well, let's see if Dan Campbell can put that together in the final few weeks. Get better. All right. With that, that's going to conclude this edition of Downtown Sports. I want to thank Chris Delarge. I want to thank Tony Mainville. I want to thank everybody for this post-Thanksgiving edition. And now we will dive in to a very exciting week 13 coming up next week. That should be very exciting as we come down to the final, wow, final four weeks of the regular season. We're also down to the final week of our fantasy league in just another two more weeks. And things are getting very competitive in that league as well. Playoff spots are very much on the line. I'm fighting for a playoff spot myself as we speak in that league. Aren't you happy that I gave you Zach Moss? Yeah, well, now I You were pissed off at me at first. You're like, ah, I fucking hate this guy now. You know, you screwed me. And I said, listen, listen. Very likely that Jonathan Taylor gets hurt again. So you might want to hold on to him. And now, and now look at you. You might make the postseason strictly because of that. Crossing my fingers, all right? I have to pray that my opponent... Well, thankfully, Tony Pollard didn't go off as badly as I feared he would on Thursday night, but... Oh, you mean like he did on me? He only... Well, he put up almost 20. That's still... It's not as bad as I feared, but still, I got to deal with it. But yeah, let's see what happens in our leagues come this Sunday and see where we are by the end. If I don't dominate, then I'm going to be very upset. I mean... Aubrey gave me 15 freaking points. The Dallas kicker, 15 points. You expect that from your wide receiver too, you know? Sometimes your kicker will give you those games sometimes. If he, particularly if he's kicking a lot. Aubrey of- seems to give you these every single game. He's uh, He has not missed a field goal this year. No, that's not true. He missed yeah. last week. He missed a field goal or missed an extra point? He missed a field goal, I believe, last week. Check his field. I can assure you, I don't think he's missed. A, he's missed a couple extra points, but he's not missed a field. I know goal. he's missed extra points, but he did miss a field goal as well. He's missed a field goal this season. Either last week or the week before, he missed a field goal. Let's take a look at that. I'm going to double check myself because now I'm I'm actually curious to find that out because I don't recall he's missed one, but I could be wrong. All I right. think you are. I own him in fantasy. I'm and pretty sure I started cursing because he missed a field goal. Okay, let's see. I'm reading field goals. He's 100. percent 
extra point hmm. 92.3 oh that means he's missed extra points so he's missed extra points oh i thought he meant i thought he had missed a field goal at some point okay it would have uh believe me it would have been the end of the world if we found out he missed a field goal i'm i can assure you of that so well, yes. hopefully he doesn't start missing them now because uh Dallas needs that guy to keep kicking those field goals on through. Yep. He's partly what makes Dallas the most efficient offense in the NFL right now. Yeah, he really is. If they're not because if they're not if they're not scoring a touchdown, about I it, most likely they're hitting a field goal because Aubrey could kick it from just they about anywhere every, on the field. They needed every bit of those few field goals Aubrey hit to beat Seattle. That's yep. everything. They needed his field goals. They would not have won that game. Yeah, I want to thank Crystal Large. I want to thank Tony Mainville. I want to thank pretty much all of you for tuning in to listen. I'm the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. That's the piece of the East, Jonathan Pariente, and we are out. Thanks for listening. Before we go, you can listen to Downtown Sports on 23 different platforms on Spotify. Spotify Podcast was Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Boulevard, Pod, Big Listen Notes, Podcast, Daddy, Verbal, Castro, Downtown, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Pod by Podacy, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, and TuneIn. Grants and episodes to market battle specials every week. We are Downtown Sports, and we are where sports come home. And I'm the piece of the East, John Perriente, saying goodbye. We out.